need to do some warm up vocal warm ups. Spending my nights in a barroom, oh, turning them songs into. And welcome to Practical Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Ted. Coach Cody's going to join me in just a moment. And on the pod today, we're talking about things that Cody and I wish we had done differently early on in our fitness journey. And uh, hopefully this is insightful for you guys out there listening, whether you're early in your fitness career or you've been, been working on it for a while. You know, this, this is an opportunity to, to take some things away from what we have learned, you know, from our experiences. And uh, at the end, we're going to get into some uh, cool down questions. So these are listener submitted questions that Cody and I are going to take a crack at. But whether you're on your work, way to work, whether you are on your way to the gym, working around the home, we are going to get things started off with a warm up. Some of the best lessons we ever learn, we learn from our mistakes and failures. The era of the past is the wisdom and success of the future. Obviously, this quote relates to what we're going to be talking about today, and there are a million quotes out there just like it. And I think the reason for that is, I think the sentiment bears repeating. And if you're like me, you've made a lot of mistakes, and you will probably continue to make a lot more in your life. But uh, actually, for your sake, I hope you don't make as many as I have or I will. But don't let these mistakes define you. Just be aware of them and then let that awareness allow you to choose who you are moving forward. The only real mistake is the one we learn nothing from. Practical Wellness Radio will resume shortly with our conversation on things we'd wish we'd done differently early in our fitness training. But for more info on what we're all about, you can go to practicalwellnesscoach.com. Up on the website right now, we have a better pull-up program available for anyone looking to get their first ever strict pull-up or just looking to improve upon their pull-ups in general. This is a four-week repeatable program that will help you on your journey to improve your pull-up strength and efficiency. The program will consist of two days each week that you can add into your current exercise routine, and you'll be able to continue this cycle and this program indefinitely as you progress towards your pull-up goals. Let's get the episode started. No, the kids are not to bed. That is not a one-man operation. It could potentially be a one-woman operation. My my wife could maybe do it by herself, but... Yeah, I mean, she's stronger than you, I'll admit. By far. She would choose not to attempt it by herself, though. Um, well, what's the deal? Like, I couldn't I do it by I myself. Kids. Like, how do, what's the problem? <laughs> the, there's not so much a problem as there is, like, they're not just happy at the same time. You know, like, like um, you'll finally get one kid talked into, like, okay, we're going to change her clothes and brush her teeth and do that stuff. Meanwhile, the other kid is losing their mind, you know? Was, let me ask you a question. When it was just holiday, was it a one person job? When it was just holiday. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, um, it was probably, yeah, it was, it was much more, much more feasible from one person. 
perspective we could we could like the, the almost the benefit of of one kid um i don't know if i should say benefit it's probably not a nice thing or fair thing to say but uh and over my head i didn't think <laughs> hopefully my uh six month old doesn't listen to this and she's gonna go back about, into the archives and i know <laughs> yeah like, what the but, heck you uh, said this about- when you have one kid it's it's like um you can tag team stuff you know like you can here, like, uh, you know, take the kid and then I'll clean up the dishes, right? Or, or like, yeah, let's just take her up real quick and we'll, you know, you grab their clothes or you change the diaper. Or I'll put toothpaste on the toothbrush and do all that stuff. As opposed to like with two kids, it's like, okay, you have all the responsibilities of one and I will take all the responsibilities of the other kid. And to people that have three kids, like, I don't even, I can't even fathom that can't even fathom it well i wonder if you space them out enough then they eventually start watching themselves <clears throat> yeah yeah As i would guess truth i don't know there's a funny uh there's a funny uh jim gaffigan quote about that like i think he's got like a lot of kids like four or five kids or something do you know who jim gaffigan is yeah yeah and uh he is like uh he's like yeah so uh so we have four kids now and you know three was quite a bit and for anybody who has three kids and is curious what what having four kids is like now um, imagine you're drowning in the ocean and you can't breathe you're drowning water's crashing down and then somebody hands you a baby that's what it's like (laughs) having four kids (laughs) Uh, i like that yeah but uh i don't know man we it i don't know i i even feel like with two kids like we just don't get anything done like anything like everything is done at like 70 percent completion efficiency rate yeah yeah (laughs) efficiency rate and completion yeah exactly like everything well and i'm sure they get up early too yeah they do but our kids actually aren't too bad they like once they're asleep they sleep pretty good that's a but that's a positive yeah because it could be like you could it could be like staying up late and then like you know what we're gonna get up early too you know where you could maybe yeah they definitely done done that holiday holiday has snuck into our room like this happened at least once maybe twice is that scary sneaks into our it is is it like a scary moment of like like, you're you're dead asleep and then there's like yeah a human looking over you yeah there's like yeah it's terrifying (laughs) it is because it's like you're just so startled by it you know so startled by it but um She's done it actually. Maybe stop touching so just, me. But twice she's woken up. Um, she's woken up where she like walks into our bedroom and uh, like just starts flashing the lights on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. And it's, you know, 5.15 in the morning. <laughs> You're like, Jesus, what is that? And no, it's just, uh, it's just a little toddler that's about two and a half feet tall, three feet tall, you know. But no, you definitely like, every night before I go to bed, I go around and I like make sure like all the doors are locked to outside and you know, so she can't like sneak (laughs) outside. That's my biggest fear. You know, that's fair. And then we have a gate that goes down into our basement, but we, we sleep and we live on the main floor and then holidays bedroom is upstairs and we've got like a pretty big staircase that goes up Mm -hmm. to her room and she has never, ever, ever, ever knock on wood falling down the stairs. But that's my fear is that she'll fall down the stairs at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably pretty terrifying. 
and you she know, and she sleeps with like uh she sleeps with like she's got like she calls them her honeys and they're like these little like comfort <laughs> unicorns with like blankets on them you know and i think she has seven of them because we bought we originally bought like three of them because we're like okay we need to like make sure we have backups because if she really loves these or we originally bought one and she loved them we went back and bought two more and like if she really loves these um and you lose one like you're screwed right like this is mm -hmm. like her comfort thing and and so we bought two more and then it just became a joke like i once bought another one just as like a joke and then she like likes it but and then the next part Ten of that later. is we put them all in circulation, you know, so they're like all like mm -hmm. dirty and, you know, beaten up instead of like, here's a brand new one if she would ever lose the one that she loves. And then we've somehow now gotten up to, we have like seven of them. Like, like Amy's grandparents have bought us ones and, and, uh, but she does have a favorite and it is completely beaten up. So we've not only like ruined our, like, <laughs> ruined our thing where we were going to have like backups because she still only has one favorite and how does she, she differentiate the favorite to the, from the others? There's one that has like a half of a unicorn horn because it's her favorite. And I don't know, like, I don't know how she originally differentiated them, but she did somehow. Right. The smell. And yeah, something right. And to some point she, uh, so like I said, we, we've now have seven of them that sleep in her bed and, and she has one that is her favorite. But anyway, she carries them around everywhere. So when she wakes up in the morning, she like is walking down the stairs with her arms full, like not hanging onto the railing, just you know, one step at a time. And I'm like, oh, Yeah, watching kids walk fall. around like over challenging obstacles, like stairs, yeah. is like always frightening to me. And I don't and I remember this it takes me back. It takes me back. We were once at a meeting. I don't know if you remember this. And it was like a big meeting. It was like at night or something. I don't really remember like the context or what we were talking about. But I do remember that, you know, the yoga instructors were there. The fitness coaches were there. Um, this is at ProFit. I suppose I should give that. And yeah. I don't know whose baby was there. Was it Stacy's? No, it wouldn't have been Kyle. Maybe it was. No, probably not yet. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was somebody else. But anyways. Yeah, I kind of vaguely remember. Do you remember you being on the black mats by the whiteboard? Mm -hmm. Well, we were no, we were all sitting on like benches or boxes in a circle. Yeah, and yeah, he had used like to have those or still does. Time. Yeah, near the whiteboard, yeah. and that's where he had the kettlebells. And whomever's child this was, it wasn't Stacy's kid. Um, I think she maybe was still pregnant at the time, but it wasn't. It was someone else. Oh, I, I think I know whose kid it was. Um, well, anyways, I remember you being a hero. Oh, that kid yeah. went to grab the kettlebell and pulled it off this <laughs> um, shelf, basically, yeah. and. I've never seen anybody move so fast Man, in my life. Instincts were in, yeah. It was already in. Yeah. You already had them. I know. And, and me over there, I was like, <laughs> did something happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what's crazy too is I don't even think my wife was there to see those dad instincts. Like, you know, to be, no. you know, like no. immediately You would have had a kid much earlier. Like she, yeah, yeah exactly, You would have had a kid much sure. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I do remember that. I think it was... I think maybe could could Tani have had a a little kid? It uh, could have been, yeah, yeah, it could have been one maybe, of Tani's. Thinking anyway, of uh, maybe Beth. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure, but I do vaguely. I completely forgotten about that. And I'll tell yeah, you too. Like the, that's when I felt the most sat... safe around you. Yeah, like I've never. I was like, I felt like from now on, I'll feel like the most safe person around Ted because I know he'll save me. <laughs> 
I'll take that, Cody. It's all right, man. Yeah, like that's. I mean, don't, I got you don't that. Have to look vibe. when you cross the street. You're fine. I'll, I'll run out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Way. It's good. Yeah, I can be as reckless as I want to be. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Again, knock on wood. I think I don't think ever. Holidays had a couple of like things where she'd been like by herself and she's gotten kind of hurt. Like she, but she might have like one little scar on her body. She has a little scar next to her eye. She fell like climbing uh, her grandparents' entertainment like center, like TV stand. <clears throat> and um, it's completely, um, completely her mom's fault. She was watching her and that's what happened. So I wasn't, I wasn't even around. That's if I would have been, who knows? Yeah, yeah. who knows? I mean, she probably wouldn't have that scar. But, uh, <laughs> well, I think that's part of being a kid but, too, though. It's just like you grew up on a farm and you know this oh, probably shit, yeah, that yeah. you just get hurt. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, um, Julia's nephew like dropped a kettlebell on his foot like a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like he picked up a 15 pound kettlebell and it just got bruised really bad. And they thought maybe his foot maybe was broken, but it doesn't sound like it is. Like he's been walking on it and stuff. So. Like it's unfortunate that stuff happens and you don't want it to happen. But I think as kids learn to navigate, you know, the world, I remember like I touched a frying pan that was super hot or like my mom's curling iron, you know, you see her, your mom curl her hair. I'm like, cool. I have hair at this point in my life. (laughs) Try it out. Like I have a scar somewhere on here, you know, on my head from that curling iron. Like, oh, I guess I'm not going to do that again. How long have you been without hair? How long have you had a shaved head? Um, I believe was it junior year, maybe junior, early senior, beginning of senior year. I want to say junior year, end of junior year. Um, Are you talking I was high sitting school? In, yeah, high school. Excuse me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, like eleventh grade, um, I was sitting in. I remember the room. I don't remember what class it was, but I, was, I sat next to a buddy. And I'm just like having a bad hair day. And I was pretty self-conscious at the time because my hair was already like pretty thin. Like it just always had been thin. Really? And it was pretty long. And I hated, I was like so annoyed. Like when I would walk, it would like kind of blow. Like there's a constant wind, you know, um, even yeah. indoors. And I just like drove me insane. <laughs> <laughs> like and, uh, sneeze and your hair would yeah, Like just blowing <laughs> back. Um, and I just got so like, I was so like annoyed that day for whatever reason. And I was like, hey, this kid name was Matt. His, his name was Matt. I was friends with him in college as well. But um, I like, do you have like clippers or something at your house? Like, what do you think? Like, should we just go home after so school? that spontaneous. Shave my head. Yeah. Like we went to his house right after school. I didn't stop at my house. Like right there, you know, he got his clippers or whoever. I don't know. Maybe I don't, he, I doubt he had a clippers, but his hair was as long as mine was. And, uh, Went to his back porch and shaded off, and his dad like showed up and like what? And his dad was quite a bit vulgar. (laughs) I won't repeat exactly what he said. He's like, "What are you guys doing?" Um, He's like, "Shave my head," and he's like, "All right, whatever." Like, you're not my kid. He's probably terrified. Terrified, like you're a skinhead and you're influencing his son. (laughs) Extreme. I don't know if his dad ever had uh, like I wasn't his favorite um, son's friend, but. I, I I went there and I did that and you know maybe an hour later I went home and I didn't tell my mom at all I showed up with a shaved head and I don't think it looked good because I already had a a good a, or a bad hairline I should say and um, yeah and then I learned to just simply just shave it down with a this razor. This was probably was this pre facial hair too? 
Yeah, so this is pre-facial hair. See, I think so there's like, nothing to balance it out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. not a great thing to no, do. No, it's not a good look. I think if you're bald, like, unless you're like Moby hair. or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's great. Yeah, you know, some people can probably pull it off, but you know, there's a reason why you see a lot of bald bearded men. You don't see a lot of bald men. Yeah, well, I can barely grow a beard, so I'm not. No, someday, you know, when time. you're 45, someday. you'll get there. It'll it'll start when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Maybe I mean? I just, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe now if I just don't shave until I'm 45, it'll fill in to a beard. Yeah. I doubt yeah. it, though. Well, All would you right, rather so, have a beard or lose your hair? Um, I think I'd rather have hair on the top of my head. I mean, I, would, I think I would agree with that. I don't know what I would look like anymore. Yeah, so it's been, what, 15 years since you've had longer than like a quarter of an inch of hair on the top of your head? Oh, no. Um, it's been, well... No, it's not in that long. 17, so 13 years. 13 years. But as long as I've had my truck. <laughs> as long as he's had. Cody measures time and the, the length of truck, his yeah, in truck yeah, years. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's, uh, let's get into this. We're going to talk about, um, today we're going to talk about, you know, things that we'd wish we'd done differently um, with our fitness training. So, you know, me personally, I've been, I've been kind of training and working out probably for, probably for, yeah, about 15 to, I'd say 17, 18 years. Like yeah, you're a high school three athlete. Days a week, three days a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three days a week minimum, you know, and that's just, you know, it's almost like for me, it's not like sometimes people are like, how do you have the motivation to to continue to do that and to continue to make that a part of your life. And I think, I think it's not really even motivation. It's just kind of become one habit, but almost like, I don't know, you've probably heard this too, Cody is like, we just call it like it's a, it's discipline. And it's not discipline. Like where I feel like I have to do it. It's, it's a discipline where it's like, you know, I, I clean my ears with, you know, I clean my ears out every day or, you yeah, know, whatever, whatever that is. Like, you know, I, I go brush to my teeth every right. day. Yeah. It's a discipline. It's just something that I kind of feel well, like I need to do every day. You know, you hit it on the yeah. head. It's you've surpassed having to be disciplined. You've, you've already done that. Like you've introduced this thing. You were disciplined and now you've surpassed that, whatever that next level is, whatever you want to, you know, whatever verbiage you want to use to surround yeah. that and identify that you've already surpassed that. Like now this is you, this is Ted. Mm -hmm. Ted has kids. He's a family man. You know, he's a good husband and he works out. Yeah. And there's some things like, uh, there's some things, you know, other people have probably similar quote unquote disciplines, you know, like some people might be like, I just, you know, I read a chapter on my book every day or whatever that might be, you know, um, that's probably a, a habit I should also pick up, but I just, for whatever reason, this is just kind of where I, where I am and where I, you know, what I do. But, but anyway, with that experience, you know, with that discipline has become a lot of, a lot of experience, right? You've learned a lot of, of things that, you know, that you like and things that you dislike and, and maybe things that you wish you'd have had done differently, you know, in, in that time. Absolutely. You know, and I haven't been training as long as you. You know, I didn't play any sports in high school or anything like that. My journey is a little bit different. I think that's maybe a different podcast episode. But, yeah. you know, I've been probably training consistently. And, and there's 
we're going to talk about some stuff today, but you know, we'll talk about things that we wish we would have done differently or what we learned from. Um, but I've been working out very regularly on average five days a week for the past, I don't know, 10 years, mm -hmm. 11 years, maybe. Yeah. And you know? I think like, I think too, you know, when we talk about like working out and whatever it is, you know, some days it's, it's, you know, we're just, we're finding an ability to move somewhere or somehow, you know, like, and that might be just, you know, that might just be 10 minutes of stretching, you know, and I kind of pull that into this category too, right. And the importance of it, but, but for purposeful me, movement. I, exactly. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Purposeful, like movement to improve fitness levels. There's right? an intention so there's a, yeah, of some kind. Yeah, exactly. So I think for me, that's a good point, like a good segue into like my, my like biggest thing and biggest takeaway. And, and I think, and I wish from, from early, early on, I would have prioritized, um, you know, quality movement. You know, I wish that would have been a better, a better and higher priority of mine. You know, I just think it's so important to just move well and whatever your goals are, regardless of those goals, like moving well is going to help you. It's going to lower your risk of injury. It's going to increase your, ch increase your chances of reaching your goals. You know, right. I think, you know, without getting too scientific about it, like I think, I think people that move better have better range of motion. And if you have better range of motion, every repetition of whatever movement you're doing, you're getting, you know, like I said, more range of motion, more return on investment. Like if every repetition is like an investment, you're getting more back with every repetition. And the more you get back with every repetition, you know, your chances and opportunities to burn more calories is better, you know, build, build more strength is better and higher. And, you know, the more lean muscle you can put on your body, you're going to increase your metabolism. And the faster your metabolism is, you're then going to, you know, be able to like cheat on your diet from time to time because you have a faster metabolism. And so it just kind of like, it all stacks up and it all adds up. But I think if you, you know, strip every single layer away for me, if I would have just maybe prioritized moving as well as I possibly can, like 17, 18 years ago, like, I think that would have probably paid off, you know, tenfold. Yeah. And what was like your limiter in that? Just, I didn't know better. I didn't have the right coach or any coach. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, probably both of those for sure. And I think early on, like, man, when, when you're in high school and you're getting out and you know, or even if you're not in high school and you're just working out for the first time, like, I don't think the awareness is there. Like, I don't think the awareness of like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I can squat, you know, I can, whatever I can do this. I can, you know, and, and until you like, until you maybe have a coach who can kind of communicate what better movement could look like, or maybe you see better movement, you're not really sure. And you're not really aware of what that is, you know? Right. And especially when you're younger, you recover so fast and you don't know, you don't have a good context of what feels right as it relates to a movement pattern. I think we have some intuition, mm -hmm. but if we're making some of these smaller, these smaller movement pattern issues, you're not going to notice that. And then the problem For is sure. it snowballs, right? So then you get strong in those, you know, poor positions or Absolutely, you get yeah. in, you know, to these deeper, deeper, poor habits. Then you start to see these problems when you get older. 
when you've had all those repetitions, when you don't recover as well. And, and older being, you know, it could be five years from that moment, you know, that you start moving or 10 or, or it could be even the next day, you know, it's pretty relative to the person. But yeah. I think that's, but I will say on the bright side, I think from my experience working with especially college age students, <clears throat> um, general population to be specific, I've seen them progressively and this isn't a blanket statement necessarily, but I've seen more students moving better than I did, say, five years ago. Like I yeah, maybe put that that's in another, another way to say that. I have less challenged students as it relates to movement than I used to. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? Yeah, I think it does. I would say the ability levels are on average higher. And I, I think movement culture is more prominent than it used to be like when you and i were in high school in terms of yeah i think so too quality yeah i think so too i think quality coaches you know exactly like when um yeah when i was like first getting into fitness it was more so about like you know and being a being surrounded by meathead athletes too you know like it's it's just how much weight's on the bar how can you you know whatever whatever and this and then you like you and I both have like CrossFit backgrounds, right? And so then you get into CrossFit, and you know they defined the squat's always an easy analogy, right? They define the squat, you know, as a hip crease below knee, and you know if we're we're scoring repetitions and we're we're you know um, judging repetitions, you know, okay, hip crease below knee, full extension of the top, like that doesn't really go into detail about like. I don't care, you know, what if your back's super rounded and your knees are caving in and your ankles are collapsed and you're, you know what I mean? Like, but if your hip crease is below knee, then it's a good squat. And that's not really Mm -hmm. the case, right? And I think for me, I sacrificed a lot of those things, right? So I'm like, I just need to squat deeper, squat deeper, squat deeper. You're like, oh, look how low I'm squatting. And it doesn't, you know, then it just, it it doesn't bring into context the fact that like you're still moving like shit, even though you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, meeting the quote-unquote like criteria of a squat yeah you're right? doing it you know yeah, but how are you doing it you know and i think my issue and i started lifting in high school as well but it was more in the um context of i wasn't playing a sport i didn't really have anything else to do and i was just starting my fitness journey and i took the you know advanced weightlifting class <clears throat> as a alternative to like regular pe because sports you know force sports weren't my thing so i took the alternative weightlifting class and you know the guy that was running that he was like the football coach you know and, and whatever and he mm-hmm. he was also the, one of the PE teachers and he was a, a good enough guy and i you know I, I thank him you know for at least helping me or being a person at the beginning of my journey certainly and it but i wasn't ever taught how to squat necessarily yeah or if i had an issue you know he would say hey squat deeper and he would say hey don't put any weight on the bar things like that so there was certainly some management in that way some safety components i guess but i was never told like how do i squat deeper like how do i get to that point that's acceptable at least for him at that time so there's like a a disconnect there right and i'm I'm sure it was hard I'm, i'm just some random kid you know, coming into his advanced weightlifting class that never picked up a weight in his life, has a freshly shaved head, you know, <laughs> super insecure. And, uh, you know, and he's in a class full of like 20 other kids, you know? Yeah, I think, so, that's, I think that's the, yeah, exactly. I think, man, 
and I have, um, I think you have too, but I think, you know, I've had experience, you know, being kind of a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level. Right. And the difference is for me, first and foremost, when you're coaching like a, a ninth grade freshman boy versus the 12th grade freshman or sorry, senior boy, like those are two very different like species almost, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, and I, like you'd mentioned too, like the coach that you were working with, you know, he's one guy is coaching 20 kids and you know, half of them are listening to him. Half of them, half of that half is, are misinterpreting him. Right. So there's probably five kids in there that really know what the hell is going on. And I remember being in that situation too. We had, we had a bunch of kids and I was like, you know, my goal is just to freaking make sure nobody gets hurt. You know, like yeah, that's I mean, the that's number the first one goal. goal. Right? Like that's the number one goal for me is just make sure nobody got hurt. And yeah, do no harm. You know, the, the, and the kids that kind of got it, okay, like I'll walk over to them and I'll, under my breath, I'll be like, okay, yeah, we can go a little bit heavier. You know, you guys are doing great. And, you know, otherwise it was pretty much just, it was, you know, controlled chaos at times, you know, because I had, I had a group of 40 kids and it was just me and I had an assistant at the time, but it was, it was tough. You know, we're, yeah, we're pretty much just doing basic low impact stuff just to keep everybody. I, I will say too, from a coaching perspective, when you're working with like, ninth and 10th grade boys like just put freaking weight in their hand and they're going to get stronger too you know what i mean like they're just they're adaptive and they're gonna like they're gonna go home and they're gonna eat a bag of chips and it's gonna just all turn into muscle somewhere <laughs> somehow bag of chips, you know a bowl like, of ice cream yeah exactly exactly but um i don't know cody so if you're if you're thinking back and you know you're you know specifically for you you know, the things that you've been through, the things that you wish you'd done differently when it comes to your specific training, you know, what, uh, if you go back in time and tell, tell young Cody who just shaved his head, you know, this is what you should do different. What would you say to him? Well, this first one that I have isn't necessarily for that particular Cody. Cause I don't think he was to the point where this was an issue yet, but let's fast forward to a Cody, three years from then, or even two years from then, for that matter. And I, I would tell that Cody, hey, you need to rest more. Take a break. Yeah. Slow down. You don't have to be in the gym every day, or you don't have to like mm -hmm. put in this intense exercise every day. Because I think that inhibited me more than it hurt me. And, and more importantly, it's made it a challenge for even just like present me yeah. to take rest because I just ingrained it into my DNA so hard to have to move every day. Mm. Um, and by move, not, you know, in the context of intentional purposeful movement, but just in a, in a way that like, I have to grind myself down. Like I have to struggle. Yeah. Right. And I still kind of fight that battle and I've learned a lot and I, you know, I'm mostly successful yeah. in that, especially the last couple of years, but it took me a long time to like, Hey, like, just relax, mm. like listen to your body. You know, you're super sore today. Like just take it mm -hmm. easy. Just stretch a little bit. Like you had said earlier. Yeah. I think that's a good point too. And I, you know, like you've heard it a million times and, and I think a lot of people are probably aware of it too. Like, you know, you're not building muscle while you're working out. You're damaging muscle while you're working out. Right. right? Like you're in theory getting the, weaker. The muscle, exactly. Yeah. The, the growth and the, you know, the, the quote unquote gains are happening as you recover. Right. So I think the studs in the gym are the, the ones who probably are great at recovery. And, and some of it is just genetics, you know, like people are probably badasses in the gym because they're really, 
really good at recovery, whether that's a genetic benefit that maybe they have that they recover, they don't get as sore, their, their body holds, you know, H2O better, whatever it is. Right. And like, I think that, uh, I think that that is a big role too. And even for me, like due to my, you know, certain life circumstances, like I've had, you know, I have two kids and, you know, working out has been not as often or as intense or as, you know, frequent or as long as sessions as it, as it's been. And yeah, my fitness levels probably dropped a little bit, but you know, let's say I was working out six days a week for an hour to an hour and a half a day. Right. That's just kind of what I was doing. Let's say before I had kids, now it's three to four times a week for 30 to 45 minutes at a time. And I think like, yeah, maybe 5% of fitness level has dropped, you know, but and it's just crazy kind of how that happens. But, you know, for me, I am ready to go every time I step in the gym because I'm pretty recovered usually. And, uh, you know, I can I can hit the ground running, you know, and, yeah. and make the most of my opportunities in the gym and be pretty calculated, you know, with what yeah. I do personally. And it sounds like your time spent in terms of like your return is actually you're getting more return from time spent than maybe you were doing the six days for an hour and a half. Yeah, Even exactly. though you quantifiably were fitter if you look at the numbers mm-hmm. you had to put a lot more work in and you know you had put in you know you said the number five percent mm-hmm. you know you had to put in 20 percent more effort to reach that extra five percent of fitness yeah you know yeah i think uh and and again i think you know it's so funny we talk about this and it, again it kind of like moves into my like next point i was going to say is um it's hard to know exactly and 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 trust that and listen to that. And I think for me, you know, if I would have had access to a good coach, you know, earlier on or, or even just, you know, like trustworthy communication with a good coach, you know, like not, not a coach who's going to program the best workouts for me, but a coach that was going to, you know, make sure that I had a plan where it wasn't like you put it like grinding yourself into a dust and then showing up the next day and just expecting yourself to grind into their dust again. Because I'll, I, you know, I remember coaching a lot of people and, and they, it's hard to keep some people out of the gym. You know, it is, mm-hmm. it's really hard yeah. to keep some people out of the gym, but, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Cause a lot of people I think go to the gym because it's kind of a therapeutic, you know, opportunity for them, yeah, but there's worse places you know, let's go to, to, <laughs> yeah, to stay out. Yeah, of, exactly. Huh? Yeah, exactly. But I think if you have a quality coach, that coach is going to be like, hell yeah, if you, if you have the time and the opportunity to go to the gym seven days a week, that's great, but let's make sure we have a good plan. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to always be, you know, grinding yourself into a pile of dust every time. I think, um, I think kind of with that too is, you know, if you, if you can avoid, avoid, you know, that, you know, full throttle effort where you beat yourself up all the time, you're going to probably prolong yourself. Right. And so like when we talk about like the corny line of like fitness is a journey, right. It's not a destination. Right. And so it's like, if you can have a, a good communication with a, with a coach where you can still make it fun day in and day out. I mean, I think your opportunity to continue to, to continue to grow and become more fit is, is pretty high. Oh yeah. Well, it needs to be fun. It needs to be enjoyable. It needs to be exciting in some ways. And it's not always going to be that, but there has yeah, to be some element. Otherwise, you're not going to do it at the end of the day. Exactly. Whether that's, you know, you'll exactly. do it maybe for a few weeks, a month, six months, a year, maybe mm-hmm. more. But eventually you're going to yeah, be exactly. like, hey, like, I'm not doing this. This isn't fun. You know, my pro- my priorities might change. And you mm-hmm. need to have that mm-hmm. little extra motivation outside of even just 
objective progress as well. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been on you know workout regimens where I'm like three weeks into it, like a twelve week squat program. I'm like, there's no fucking way. I mean, you know, there's no freaking way I'm gonna finish this. It's like this is going to beat me into nothing. And and you know, yeah, you grit you you grit and bear, and you try to work through it, and you're like, okay, I finished my twelve weeks, and now I need to just take a break or do something else. And and I think that that definitely has a place. Like if, if you have certain goals that kind of, you know, meet a criteria where we need to really ramp things up and take, you know, take on whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. But then if you have a good coach, you can sprinkle in some other things to make it fun. You know, that's where the, the big, you know, the big gains can be made. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to say that like, it's all contextual, right? You know, um, an Olympians training problems program is not going to be as fun you know, maybe as you or eyes, for but sure. That's, I mean, it's their job for at that sure. point, right? And yeah. they yeah, have some higher goals, like, exactly. competitors. You know, where yeah, I think as I you think or I, we don't need to be doing that program. Like, if there's no fun in that program, no thanks. Exactly. It's it's the same way. Like you know, it's the same way where like you and I might have a hobby that somebody else has for a career, and you know, we're going to take a different approach to our hobby as that person would to their career, right? So if this you know, like Olympic level power lifter who's competing, you know, against the strongest people in the world, they're going to be like, shit, I got to wake up at 5am. I got to work out. I got to do this. I got to, you know, like, because if they don't, they don't have their job anymore. Right. Whereas you and I might have a hobby of whatever it might be, you know, like call it, call it fishing. Right. Like we're like, oh yeah, let's go fishing. Let's have a couple beers, you know, baits and hooks and sit on, you know, whatever it is. Whereas other people, you know, shit, I've seen the micro, you know, deadliest catch. Like those guys are working. Like that's, yeah, it doesn't really look I mean, that's that what it is. enjoyable that much, you know, living on yeah, a boat. It, it's hard to, it's hard to see the difference. Like where's the line at? You know, I think it gets a little blurry when we're looking at exercise and, and fitness in some, yeah. in some capacities, especially, you know, yeah. in the CrossFit realm um, in particular, even you, even in like some of the strength ones, like powerlifting or Olympic lifting, like what's the line? Where is this mm-hmm. not healthy anymore? Whether that's mental or physical, right? And it's okay for those higher level athletes to push that line. And if they're willing to accept some negative consequences down the road, that's their yeah. choice, right? But you got to understand what's the outcome goal? Like, what am I doing this for? And if it's not to win a gold medal or whatever the case may be, or to set a world record, you know, and that doesn't line up with what you want, like, then don't sacrifice the things you, you know, don't need to sacrifice. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a good point too. And there's definitely been, and I've been as guilty of that as probably anybody is. Oh yeah. Times of sacrificing things just so I can put five pounds on my back squat. Where in the end you're like, was it really worth whatever, whatever to put five pounds on my back squat? No, it wasn't. And, you know, you go back in time and you try to tell that to to a younger me, and he's gonna probably tell you to f off, and he's gonna still do the same things because I don't know, right? It's we're all competitive and we all want to aspire to the next thing. But what uh, what else do you have, Cody? What else do you you know wish that you maybe would have uh, been more aware of? Well, I think this goes back to a little bit of your form um, identification when you were younger. This kind of goes into that a little bit. But I wish I would have done more tempo work, 
to you know help with my movement patterns in my form being a little bit more mindful of that right having that exposure so tempo squats you know tempo deadlifts tempo whatever you can put tempo on anything tempo pull-ups just adjusting that and that can go in a variety of ways right that can mean slowing it down that can mean speeding it up it might mean add pauses but just adding more tempos and doing that more and i anymore i try to do more tempo work than i do anything else like that's 60 percent of what i'm doing 70 percent of what i'm doing yeah i think you know cody knows my freaking love of for tempo work it's pretty much all i really do at this point too and for me it just it's funny how so many so many of these things and kind of things that you brought up things that i brought up how they kind of tie in with each other but but anyway like the form and the tempo and you know the tempo has given me an opportunity i do a, i do tempo every single day every single day i do a tempo yeah i would say you probably do it even more than i do yeah and uh for me, it, it, it continues to prioritize good movement. You're hyper aware, right? If I tell you to put a bar on your back and why do, for whatever reason, we always use squat and I'm going to continue. It's to kind of the go-to anyway, and everyone knows easy, it. Right? Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so if I tell you to put a bar on your back and I tell you to take a five second count on the way down. So you're going super, super slow, you know, five Mississippis on the way down, you get to the bottom of the squat hold it for five Mississippis. And then probably I think the most challenging out of all of them is to give yourself a five second count as you stand up. So you're not even standing up really fast. That's brutal. And I've done it. I've, that is super brutal. Right. And, and that's not something that I think you should live and die by and do every single time. Right. But no. you're going to be so hyper aware of how you're moving the weight in your feet, you know, your core stability, all that stuff. And I think if, if you, if you sprinkle that in, you mix that in, like I said, this kind of all ties in. If you have a coach who kind of understands that and knows what they're doing, you know, you're able to, to mix that in and have some benefits. And now I say, let's do five reps of that. Well, each, each rep is going to be 15 seconds. So what's whatever, 15 seconds times five reps. Think about the time under tension that you can, you know, I can put 45 pounds on anybody's back and that will, will cause you to break a sweat, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, that's another benefit I think for, for anybody, you know, adding that tempo work, your, you know, your, your risk of injury is so low, you know, because you're so hyper aware, you're not moving jolty, you're not doing anything kind of erratic. You're hyper aware of what's going on. If anything, it's really hard to talk yourself into adding weight on the bar when you're doing tempo squats. Cause like oh, I yeah. said, it's not, you're like, and you it's not comfortable empty we'll bar on your back. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, it carries so but, much value and you said a lot of them already, does. right? You know, and my favorite thing is, and, and this is important to remember, and I told my students this, your, your muscles adapt faster than your, you know, tendons and ligaments. And a lot of people get in trouble because they don't allow their tendons and ligaments to strengthen. And this is one way to do that, adding this tempo work in. You're going to be able to move better. You're going to be more injury resistant. Yeah. Right. And you're going to get stronger. You're not having to yeah. use that stretch reflex. You can't bounce, like say again, out of the bottom of the squat, mm-hmm. right? And and that carries a lot of weight, no pun intended, for years to come. And if you can get strong yeah. doing tempo work, you're just a strong person. For sure, is I think I think you all I think we as humans always have the ability to speed things up too, right? I mean, I think if you if you train 
if you train at a tempo and you train under control, you know, and I tell you, okay, now we're going to like, now we're going to go for it. Let's see how fast you can move. You'll always be able to kind of amp it up and move a next gear, move into that next gear. But yeah, so exactly. I think I, like I said, I, I could talk the whole podcast on how much I love tempo work. Right. But we'll, maybe but we'll put a pin great, in it. Cause I think <laughs> we'll put a pin in it for another podcast. Cause I yeah. think there's more to say. And I think that we, and we talked about tempo work more in the relation of like slowing things down, but you can, you know, quantify tempo work as speeding things up too, as you're yeah, kind of starting to, yeah. to as well, but let's put a pin in it. What was your, what was your next one? Yeah. So, so you know the the last real big one that i wanted to touch to touch on is uh you know setting specific specific goals right like i think sometimes our goal setting is too broad it's too it's too broad it's like it's hard to and, and i'm not one i'm not telling you to like uh set small goals right like you can still set big goals but if you if your goals are too broad, like you know, owning the gym and having new members come in, and people would always be like, "Oh, I just you know, I want to just want to get a little fitter," you know, like and and it's mm-hmm. and it's a tough thing for me, and it was a tough thing for me at times to be able to be like to continue to poke back and be like, "Well, what does that mean to you, right?" Because it it could mean a very different thing to you as it does to them, as it does to her, as it does to him, and so so I think setting very specific goals, right? And so if somebody wants to be like i want to be able to do i want to be able to do 10 unbroken pull-ups i want to be you know that's my goal and so i was like yeah that is a pretty pretty specific goal but you know what's our time frame look like what are we looking at how many pull-ups can you do now oh i can do one. Oh, interesting okay so you can do one now um let's break this down into a, a more attainable, more achievable goal. And they're like, Oh, well, my shoulder kind of hurts here sometimes too. Okay. So what's the, you know, like maybe our number one issue is doing a bunch of prehab work and figuring out why your shoulder hurts all the time. So then we can really then dive into like a, an upper body pulling strength program where we can make you better at pull-ups. And so I think the next benefit to having like super specific goals is you're probably going to reach them. So if our number one goal is like, let's figure out how to get your shoulder healthy. And once we get this shoulder healthy, then we're like, okay, now we can move on. Right. As opposed to having all these setbacks when this big overarching goal of getting 10 unbroken pull-ups is, is it's a big goal so far down in that context. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're alluding to like this idea of uh, process goals. So you focus more on the process as opposed to the outcome, right? And people don't realize you need to do that. Like they do set these big, huge goals, you know, you're nine pull-ups away and we have to get, we have to navigate pain as well. That's going to be very hard for you to achieve, right? So let's take a step back. Let's figure out why you're having pain first so we can actually work on the pull-ups and not, you know, again, this goes back to not creating any more damage. So that quality movement, right, that we talked about earlier and then go from there. And does that look like, hey, I need you to do these shoulder you know, prehab drills, these exercises to help with this, so on and so forth, like on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for this long, right? So now they have this process and then you measure that progress of, in this case, pain. Okay, pain's gone, right? We probably need to keep doing some of that you know, prehab work to maintain um, the, no, the non-pain right in this situation. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, let's, okay, we got one pull-up. Then going from there. And what does that process look like? How do we get to two pull-ups? How do we get to three? And be able to navigate that, which is challenging. And it takes some time 
And it puts a lot of that ownership on the athlete or member as well, mm-hmm. which can yeah. be a bit of a roadblock sometimes, right? But I agree completely. Yeah. People need to have these goals. And, you know, especially as I have been programming more for the individual, um, and this is me not personal training, but just programming. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, what are your goals? And then people just say, hey, I want to get fitter or I want to stay healthy, which is fine. I like, I respect that. Absolutely. Yeah. But I found that that is more challenging for me to program than someone that has something more specific. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. And that does kind of, you know, my second and third kind of points that I brought up today, kind of, you know, if you can, if you can communicate, a, uh, you know, my second point was again, you know, having good communication with a coach. Right. And so this third point being of like setting specific goals, like if I, I felt like if I would have been able to, you know, set more specific goals, you know, I would have been able to probably achieve more, you know, sure. I just really would have. And, you know, cause it's, it just, it's, it gives you that little rabbit to chase that you can catch as opposed to, you know, the one that's so far out there. You have to like, I, well, it gives you more motivation to get too. there. It does. It does. And, and it, if it gives you, it, yeah. And if you have that motivation, then you're more likely to show up and, you know, attack it and, well, and even, move on to the next specific goal. You know, if like, Hey, my goal is to deadlift X amount of weight in this time frame, even right. When that deadlift day comes around, you're going to put more energy and effort into that. You're going to be more mindful and more present as opposed to it just being another workout. I'm going to, I can have, it's just a workout. I'll get through it. I'll put more effort into the one tomorrow. Right. And then that just becomes your mentality every day. Whereas if, Hey, like this is my goal, this is my very specific goal, whatever that may be, I'm going to pull more effort and I'm going to get more return out of that. And it even goes into the context of, Hey, like, Today's a rest day. I need to rest so I can put more energy into that next training day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're going to stick with that program longer. And I've had clients in the past um, not have like these specific goals. And gosh, it's so hard for them to stay on long term because there's no for sure. really intrinsic motivation outside of, hey, let me just sweat and work out, which again is fine. But, mm-hmm. you know, which if you're having trouble. And everybody, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's fine. But especially if you're not, and we kind of talked about this at the very beginning, if you're not past the point of discipline where this is a lifestyle, you're going to have a hard time staying consistent. For sure. For sure. And that's why I think too, having a good coach, having somebody who can, you know, sometimes you might walk in and you've, I know you've experienced this Cody too. Somebody will walk into the gym and they'll be like, Hey, I know that I'm supposed to work out. It's something that people are supposed to do. I know I probably need to lose 10 pounds show me what to do. You know what I mean? And then, you know, those people, yeah, they're great and they're awesome. You know, like they help keep the lights on when you're running a gym, but then it's maybe up to you as a coach to communicate different things to it. Like, Hey, you know, what excites you? What do you, you know? Yeah. You know, do you want to look better in the mirror? Do you want to, whatever that might be. Right. And so, okay, I'll help you do it and let's move on and let's, let's figure out a way to get there. And I'll say, if you don't do that with those individuals, you won't see them for very long either. And that's, again, that's on the coach in a lot of ways. I mean, that's on the coach putting that ownership on that particular person yeah, and asking those questions and guiding them. But yeah, if you don't Mm -hmm. do that, again, adherence is usually pretty low. For sure. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think that again, that's a topic too. I mean, that is a topic that we could spend a lot of time on. In fact, I always, I always wanted to get to a point, you know, when I ran, ran my gym, you know, where each member 
could be partnered up with like a, a coach there, you know, mm-hmm. in, in our gym. Yeah. Or each member could, you know, have, uh, you know, have weekly check-ins, monthly check-ins with the gym. And, you know, we, we did kind of like, you know, I think if you were, if you were coached by me on a regular basis, you probably, you, you probably saw the, saw the spiel of me walking up to you and be like, Hey, how, how you doing today? You know, like, Oh, you know, what's going on? How's this, how's this knee feeling? How's this, you know, like, whereas maybe very informal, I, I, you know, I wish that I maybe had gotten to the point where I made it just a little bit more formal and a little bit more dialed in and calculated. And, and man, I have this theory, you know, where people say like, oh, I don't have any regrets or whatever. I've, you're, have you ever heard this theory? Have I told you this? Just not having regrets. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so like people that, people that say that they don't have any regrets are fuck are, are full of shit. They are so okay, I haven't heard this. like, how Yes. No. I mean, you've heard people say like, oh, I don't regret anything. I have no yeah, regrets. I've heard I have no regrets. So I always say that's just like the kid or the guy. It's often a guy who says like, uh, who wears shorts in the winter and is like, yeah, man, my legs don't get cold. I'm not cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, no, you, no, your legs get cold. You're just, you're maybe not quite as affected by it or you're trying to be tough or you're trying to put on a face or whatever you're doing. But I know your legs get cold. And just like the person who's like, nope, no regrets. Don't regret a thing. Don't regret a thing. Yes, I know you have regrets. You have to have regrets. But you're just maybe better at like not showing them or not carrying them. Anyway, that's that's my little theory on that. Anyway, on a tangent. But uh, Cody, well, I like. What, uh, go ahead, give it to me. Go, yeah, I was just gonna say. Uh, Ask me. Do you have uh, Do you have anything to add to that? What's Do you have any maybe last thing that you want to mention to? Uh, yeah, I something do. That, yeah. I do as it happens. Um, my last one again. It's it's more movement based in terms of like quality, similar to how the tempos were. I wish I would have done more tempos. I wish I would have also done more single leg, unilateral work to be more specific, or rotational work, kind of in that same basket. So rotating and, and moving limbs individual from one another, right? Loading one side of my body. That's something that I've found pays more dividends than anything else. Yeah. Both in terms of how I feel, like in terms of strength and functionality. I don't get as beaten down as I usually do if I'm not working on those things. And if that's not a big part of my program, I usually have mm-hmm. issues, whether that's hip pain, shoulder pain. Um, I just feel better and I feel stronger and I see that transfer a lot more effectively to other things. Yeah. No, I think that's, man, that is a very specific and, you know, like things that I kind of mentioned, I felt like we're, you know, like kind of overarching, but I like that. I like how specific this is because a couple of reasons, right? So you're talking about like, you know, very specific movements, rotational movements, single leg movements, single arm movements, unilateral movements. Right. And I think, Number one, when if you were to go to like a, uh, a sports specific, like strength and conditioning program, they're all doing like lunges or one arm oh, yeah. presses or like side lunges or rotational net ball throws, and it's all the things that you just mentioned, right? And I think that's super valuable and super powerful. Like when we did and earlier in this podcast, we talked about when I ran my strength and conditioning program. That's I handed kids kettlebells. I handed kids dumbbells, and we were gonna press them. We're gonna lunge, and we're gonna do a staggered stance RDL with them. And I think that stuff is so valuable because 
we all have dominant legs, dominant hands, whatever. And so you're going to be a little bit stronger in one side, a little bit weaker on one side. And I think if you can balance that out, at least to my second point, you see a lot like, so let's say, let's say strength and conditioning. And then the second one would be like, if you go to a, into a PT's office, like physical therapy, everything that they're doing is also unilateral stuff. Even when oh, it yeah. comes to the shoulder, like, you know, they're, they're taking bands and they're twisting with the band and that's rotation even in the shoulder, let alone, I think you may be alluding to like the torso, like rotations and stuff, mm -hmm. but, but it's so powerful. And it's like, like you had said, like you're, you're reaping the rewards, I think at a, another level by doing that unilateral stuff. Oh yeah. And, and if you still want to do those bilateral movements, it's going to drive those even further. You're going to have a higher ceiling for those. Right. And you can think of this and you know, I use this analogy a lot, but you can think of this like as the, you know, base of your pyramid, right? Being strong through individual limbs will just give you a higher pyramid right at the end of the yeah. day. How tall is a pyramid? As, well, as, as wide as his base. Yeah, there you go. You almost got me. Out. Yeah, It's getting a little late here, right? <laughs> yeah. But absolutely. And I think, I think especially people starting out, they don't do those things enough. Yeah. Like no, give me a high right. think, quality lunge. Give me a weighted lunge. Mm -hmm. Give me a lateral lunge. You know, lunge all over the room. Man, I, you should be able to do that before really anything else as it relates to a back yeah. squat or even a deadlift. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because I, I remember too, again, using using the, you know, conversation piece of like the ninth grader who comes in and is is like a you know, wants to play the, the sport that I, I coached was lacrosse and he wants to play lacrosse, but I asked him to, in warmups, right? We do some high knee stuff. We do some quad pulls. We do some, you know, bridge walks, some skips, and then we do lunges. And you'd be amazed at how many kids can't like lunge, you know, like they can't lunge because they just have never been asked to and never tried or never been forced to whatever, whatever. But then you watch kids who can lunge really well. And I bet you every one of them is probably pretty strong. You know, oh like, yeah, and there's and a positive correlation personally. Yeah, exactly. Even for me personally, um, and I had kind of a minor back injury that uh, was kind of then turned into chronic, and so I really struggled to squat right for for probably close to a year. So I did a lot of lunges because I was like, I need to, you know, I want to improve my leg strength, lower body strength, and so I did a lot of lunges. And eventually, you know, my back started to feel better. Um, and then another instance, I I broke my ankle one time and. You know, I, I just did not have the dorsal flexion to get into a squat, right? And, and so I still could kind of lunge, keeping, you know, my, my ankle in a fixed position. And I didn't see any drop off in my, my squat. You know, I went like almost a year with squatting like three times in a year. And just because I was lunging and mm -hmm. I, I was that. able to maintain and, and still get maybe even a little stronger. So I, I think you're great. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And you know, going along with all that, and you touched on this already, but I think it's worth saying again, and maybe a little bit louder, you know, we don't day to day or even in sport, we rarely, I should say, move bilaterally. It's always steps, it's always this unilateral based movement. So if we're thinking about both performance, as well as health, it should be a priority. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great, man. Do you have any, any last points? Do you want to, maybe, uh, maybe we should just kind of, uh, go through one more time real quick. You know, for me, I've got three big ones that I want to, yeah, go ahead and shoot them off again. One more time. Mine, mine again are going to be, you know, things that I wish I had done at an earlier, you know, at an earlier time in my fitness is number one, prioritize better movement. Uh, number two, just have good communication with a coach or accountability system or whatever that might be just to ensure that, um, ensure that I had a plan and ensure that, you know, progress is being made, ensure that I'm able to, you know, fight through plateaus, make it fun, whatever that is. And then the third one for me was, you know, setting, you know, specific, specific, sorry, specific and attainable goals, you know, like attainable goals that you're going to reach mm -hmm. and it's going to kind of fuel the fire to continue to move on. What, what Absolutely. Yours, Cody? I'm happy we had three different ones because we didn't plan this out ahead of time. We didn't no, share these. Yeah. yeah. So my three were resting. So just making sure that I rest more, um, given the, within the context of whatever I'm doing and then working on tempos, whether that's slowing down or speeding up purposefully with intention. And then finally, spending more time rotating and doing unilateral based work in all capacities. Yeah. And I think I'd be yeah, further along great. than I would than I am now if I had done those things, especially when I was, you know, in my early twenties. For sure. For sure. No, I think those are great. And I think that, you know, if, if there's somebody out there listening to this and, you know, I think it's important to, to note too, whether you, are new these are great things to kind of put into perspective and make sure that you're kind of taking advantage of and learning some lessons you know that um that we hopefully and you know can provide or maybe you are even almost experiences us or even more experienced with us and maybe you still aren't doing some of these things and i would say just you know just kind of go through and make sure that these are happening and that these are a part of your fitness regimen yeah they're good reminders i need to remind myself frequently oh for sure for sure we definitely get bogged down but but uh yeah so there you have it those are those are you know three from both myself and cody three things that we kind of wish we would have you know been been a little bit more aware of earlier on in our fitness journey but uh we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back after this before we wrap the show up with our cool down questions cody and i would like to give a few shout outs uh, first shout out goes out to our producer matt hey matt thanks so much for taking the time to put this together uh, and getting our podcast out there for people to listen to second shout out goes to you the listener thanks so much for taking the time to to give us a shot give us a listen i know that in today's world there are so many different things competing for our attention the fact that somebody's going to actually listen to this and have any care whatsoever on what we have to say uh, means a lot to us but uh, please take the time to rate review subscribe to practical wellness radio all right wrapping things up here with our cool down question segment if you guys have any questions that you'd like us to answer feel free to hit us up you can shoot us an email at info at practicalwellnesscoach.com today's question is from wendy all right cody she says uh she asks how much water do i need to drink and what's more important exercise or diet so i think maybe let's hit that first question first how much water do we need to drink well i think it's a good question and i think there's a lot that goes into it but we can 
kind of simplify it. But before we do that, let's maybe think about why water is important. I think we don't think about it enough. It's kind of on the back burner for a lot of other things. So let's attack that first. We'll just do a little list here. First thing, dissolves and transports substances within our body, starts chemical reactions, lubricates and cushions tissues, regulates our temperature, and then provides us these essential minerals. Now, going back to the idea of how much, well, there's a lot of context here. Are you a big person? Are you a small person? What's our environment like? For example, is it warmer out? Is it the middle of summer and it's 100 degrees? Or is it, you know, in the thick of winter? That's going to matter. Now, going along with that, is it humid out? Is the air drier? If it's drier out, you need more water. Are you eating salty foods? You need more water. Are you consuming alcohol? You'll need more water. Are you sweating and having even purposeful exercise? You need more water. So there's a lot that goes into that. So really simplify this and just say that in terms of dedicated water consumption, so not considering water that you take in through food consumption, dedicated water consumption, our baseline is going to be about eight cups a day for the average person. Eight cups a day for the average person. And like I said before, if you're maybe a bigger person, bigger in stature, you might need a little bit more. If you're a smaller person, you might need a little less. So you, for example, you're bigger than me, right? You're 200 yeah, so pounds. What do you weigh now? So if I'm a above average guy who eats salty foods, who consumes alcohol, who some reason sweats a lot, you're telling me that I need to drink a lot of freaking water. Yeah. Well, you're going to need to drink more than me, who uh, <laughs> is the average size of a, of a man from the, what did I say, 1960s and doesn't consume alcohol and at least right now doesn't sweat that much. I'm working out in a 20 degree uh, garage. Um, you're going to need more water than me. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. And I think it is day to day, right? And that's kind of the, the thing that you're kind of alluding to, right? It's not like here, drink this much and you'll be good, right? It depends on what your diet's like, what your alcohol consumption's like, what your fitness activity level looks like. And I think one of the things that like I've heard, and you can tell me if this is, you know, myth busting or whatever, but like a lot of times they say if you're thirsty, it's like, you're, you're way past the point of needing to drink more water. Like we should be kind of preemptively consuming water before we're thirsty, right? Yeah, I would definitely say there's some truth to that. Um, but obviously like use your cues as, you know, a reason to take action. If you're feeling thirsty, you go get some water. If you're feeling you know, hungry, and again, this is contextual, maybe you need to eat. Your body's telling you something, you should listen to it. Um, but yeah. And I think even kind of segueing a little bit, what are some maybe strategies you use to consume more water? Uh, yeah, for me, I know like when I'm on my game and I was making this a big priority, I would do the the bro thing of carrying a, a gallon jug of water around, right? It was 128 ounces a gallon. Yeah, right. But um, but I just knew if I saw that. Did you write your name on it? I did, yeah, for sure. Get confused, <laughs> okay. yeah. With all the other bros out there, don't yeah. mix water. water no, jugs. There's a lot of bro Teds out there. No, but uh, yeah. 
And anyway, like I just knew if I saw this giant jug of water like sitting next to me for most of the day, like I would be like, oh, it's a priority. I should drink some more water. So that, I mean, exactly. It's broy. Call it douchey if you will. But like I knew that if I had a giant jug of water, like I said, my chances for consuming more water are definitely higher, right? As opposed to if I didn't have it. Another little thing that I did is I'd mark little tabs on the uh, the side of the jug, just real small and permanent marker. And I'd have like, um, you know, kind of goals throughout the day. Like this is how much water I wanted to have by noon. This is how much water I wanted to, you know, consume by five. And I'd always try to be finished with it by like 7, 30, 8 o'clock at night. Just because if I chugged it all at like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I knew I'd be getting up to pee multiple times during the night. Now, if you're somebody, I think that maybe you are well aware that you're very much on the low side of consuming water and not getting enough water, I would say, you know, don't feel like you need to start rushing into like gallons of water tomorrow. You know, like I think sometimes people are diving both feet into it, drinking all this water and, and it can do, it can have some negative effects too, right? It can have some washout effects. You can disturb some sleep with it. Like I said, if you're getting up to pee a lot during the night, but I think water definitely plays a role. Um, what you mentioned, um, it starts some chemical reactions. Water does, right? What, um, mm. what are some, some of those reactions? I think sometimes if somebody was more aware of like what exactly it's doing, you know, what could they do or what, what reactions does it start that, that might benefit an individual? Well, I think before we get into any of that, and I don't want to dive into this too much. I think it's maybe beyond our scope a little bit, but I think it's worth mentioning that you can drink too much water. Yeah. Right. Um, and way, one easy way to monitor that is your urine color, right? It's a pretty classic thing to do. And if our urine color is too dark, we're probably dehydrated. It's too light, which it can be. And I remember when I was in college, I would definitely drink a lot of water. I never did the jug thing. Um, oh, but come on. I never did it. I never did it. Um, but I would be peeing quite at like peeing constantly almost. And then it would be like super clear, right? And that can have a, a bit of a problem as well. And that's called hyponatremia and that can be a big issue. You can look that up on your own. Um, but I think, and I, I don't want to cut us short here, but we're already at eight minutes. I want to get to this other part of the question. Maybe we'll put a pin on the water yeah. discussion for another podcast in terms of functions, if that's all right with you, Ted. No, I think that's great. And I think too, you know, there's, I've seen there's water calculators out there and stuff that you can kind of enter you know, your fitness level, or sorry, your fitness activity, your, your weight, your, you know, other, other items. And, and it can kind of give you at least a rough place to start, right? At least give you kind of a, a goal to, you know, towards your water consumption. But yeah, you're right. So here's the second part of, of Wendy's question is, you know, what's more important, exercise or diet? And that, again, it's always contextual, right? I would say, and this isn't, this is my thought and my kind of philosophy in terms of what should I prioritize first as it relates to my health and wellness? The first is sleep. Am I getting enough sleep for my needs? The next is food consumption and nutrition. Then the third would be exercise. And again, this is contextual, but I think it's a, probably a good rule of thumb to follow for everybody. 
it's really hard to, especially as it relates to weight loss, exercise enough in a healthy way to burn enough calories to be, say, in a caloric deficit. And that's kind of our basic principle of weight loss, right? Or even weight gain, right? You need to have a caloric surplus to gain weight. Now, again, there's a lot more nuance to that. And there's some other things that come into play, but that does have to be true at a level. So I would say, to make my answer maybe short, is exercise is for most people more important than exercise. Not saying that exercise is important. Obviously, it is. Yeah, I think thoughts? that's great. I, to, yeah, so 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 when it comes to you, kind of touched on it there. Like it's been proven in studies thousands, thousands, thousands of times, right? So the two things that are, are always stand out when it, when we're talking about um, you know nutrition in relation to exercise and activity, um, you cannot lose weight in a caloric surplus, right? So if you're trying to lose weight, you need to be at a a, cal- a deficit in calories, right? That's just calories in, calories out, right? You need you need to be burning more calories than you're consuming to lose weight. And that's just, it sounds so simple. And yeah, it's because it kind of is, right? I mean, you need to be able to burn up what you're consuming. Does that mean that you're not supposed to consume anything? No, right? I mean, because you still need good calories. You still need calories that are going to fuel you for your day, fuel you for your activities, and for your exercise. And then the second piece to that is maybe you're trying to get stronger, right? And just like the first, you know, instance I said is with this, you cannot build muscle. You cannot get stronger in a deficit of calories, right? You're not going to get stronger. So, so a lot of it is just kind of goal setting, right? And that's kind of, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a, a different talk topic or kind of a cliche, but like just to understanding where you are in that pendulum, right? So maybe you are okay with where you are weight wise, strength wise, but just know that like, that's the importance of nutrition, right? Is always kind of weighing that pendulum back and forth. And like I said, it sounds so simple. And I think that's because it is, and it's been proven thousands and thousands of times. And all these studies that we read, all these other, you know, articles that we read is, high quality calories, high quality exercise. I think they go hand in hand. Absolutely. So I think just to sum everything up, water, drink it, average eight cups a day. There are a lot of strategies to use for that. Um, you can carry the water jug around if you'd like, but you know, just having a water bottle with you certainly would suffice. And then exercise or nutrition first. I kind of landed on nutrition first, even though it is contextual, but regardless, if you have yeah. especially any um, aesthetic goal, so this could be whether that's just how you look in the mirror and that goes into losing weight, gaining weight, gaining muscle, et cetera, you got to really pay, pay attention to what you're eating and how much you're eating. And again, there's going to be a lot of nuance within that, but that's just your general answer. Absolutely. Hopefully that was helpful for you, Wendy. If you guys have any more questions, like I said, you can reach out to us at info at practicalwellnesscoach.com. Hit us up with a question. We might throw it on the podcast. Otherwise, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about the episode, tell your friends about the show. Thanks for tuning in to Practical Wellness Radio. See you, folks.